It's your Thursday daily delivery. I am Michael Rand. Glad to be back for another day. Hope you guys are having a good one out there as well. A little snowy this morning, a little different uh, than we've had for most of the winter, but not not abnormal for a typical winter here. So hope you guys are having fun with it at least. It's not that bad, right? It looks nice outside. It may be a little slow getting around today, but uh, it may be kind of nice to have a little bit of actual winter. And it's supposed to be in the 40s next week, so it'll be all right. You guys, uh, if you don't want it, it'll be gone soon enough. Um, good show today. Not a weather show, a sports show. We are uh, going to have Chips Goggins in just a minute here to talk about bunch of stuff. We got into some interesting dialogue on PJ Fleck, on what the Vikings need to do. Asked him an interesting question. I want to know what you guys think about this as well. Which coach between PJ Fleck and Kevin O'Connell could you imagine uh, being on the hot seat in 2024 if the season goes off the rails? So that's something I asked Chip. We talked about that. I mean, we also acknowledge certainly this is a big year, big offseason for the Vikings and their general manager, Quesito Fomensa. But I think it's a big year for Kevin O'Connell and P.J. Fleck. Not saying either one of them would necessarily be in danger of losing their job in 2024, but if things go off the rails next season, um, which one of them is in bigger trouble um, than the other. So get into that, get into some wolf stuff with Chip as well. That's coming up in just a little bit. Mike Zimmer uh, introduced as Dallas's defensive coordinator. I'll have a little bit of that at the end of the show. First, though, what I miss, um, start with the Wild. It's not, it's not really a mystery what's gone wrong for the Wild this season. Um, number one, is their penalty kill when they've when they've been bad their penalty kill has been terrible worst in the league all all time historic low they haven't gotten enough production consistent production from all of their top guys you wouldn't say Kirill Kaprizov is having his best year by any stretch Matt Boldy has disappeared at times they just haven't gotten you know when you don't get high-end production from your high-end guys and your penalty kill is terrible um, you're going to struggle. But a sneaky thing that maybe people overlook is that their goaltending has been bad. And you would think coming into this season that that might be a strength of theirs, right? You had Philip Gustafson, who was very good for them last year. They signed him to an extension in the offseason. And you have Marc-Andre Fleury, a Hall of Famer, at the end of his career, but still a guy that you would think could give you at least league average goaltending. Now, the, uh, the Wilds goaltending has not been league average this year. It's been well below average. If you look at a key metric, uh, I think Natural Stat Trick has a good look at this. I think Hockey Reference probably does too, but I was looking at Natural Stat Trick, looking at the difference between the goals they've given up and their expected goals allowed this season. It's, it's pretty striking. They have one of the worst margins in the league when it comes to the difference between the number of goals they've given up and the expected goals allowed based on shot quality, um, things like that. I think there's 17 more goals allowed this season than they would have expected to be in all situations, and 13 just at 5-on-5. Five five. I mean, 13 goals, like how much does 13 goals really matter? Well, over the course of you know, however many games they've played this season right now after beating Arizona on uh on Wednesday for their fourth straight win. So this is a po- this is a positive segment, but we're starting off with a little bit of a negative. You know, they've played 53 games. So, you know, at all strengths, they're basically they're giving up like a third of a goal per game more than you would expect. You know, a third of a goal. So like every few games they give up one more goal than they should. That can be the difference in 
10 points in the standings, I would think. Like, you know, just those little margins, winning a shootout instead of losing, um, going to, uh, you know, winning a game in regulation instead of having to go to overtime, things like that. Those margins have been getting, you know, getting away from them this season. You would think the goaltending would have been better. It hasn't been. It was good last night. It's not a secret. When the Wild do get good goaltending this season, they are a decent team, maybe even an above-average team or at least a league-average team, a good a good enough team to be deeper into the playoff mix than just sitting on the fringes. And again, four wins in a row has gotten them to the point now where they can at least see the eighth seed in the West. I think they're only three back of St. Louis. There's a whole bunch of teams clustered there. Depending on where you look, they've got maybe like a 25 to 30% chance of making the playoffs now with, you know, 29 games left in the season. A decent chance, right? A reasonable chance, not like a minuscule, barely mathematically alive chance. But they would be in much better shape if the goaltending had been better this season. Now, like I said, they got good goaltending last night for Marc-Andre Fleury. They beat, they beat Arizona 3-1. to one. They've been getting good goaltending by and large when they've been playing well so it's not it's not a secret when they've played well they've gotten good stretches when they haven't um they they, the the goaltending has let them down Gustafson has had a couple stretches this season where he hasn't been as good flurry as much as his story this year is great chasing you know chasing history things like that at the end of a at the end of a great career he's not been good this year he was good last night but he's not been good this year so if they can turn this around and i don't know how much we, we should expect them to but if they can get better goaltending for the final third of the season they do still have a chance to make the playoffs now what that gets them i don't know i don't know what, if they're really even dangerous once you get to the postseason but if they can turn that around this is the single biggest factor i'm looking at right now if they can get above average goaltending where they've been getting below average goaltending the rest of the way this could be a team that actually makes the playoffs this year timberwolves meanwhile finish up the Pre-All-Star break, I can't call it the first half, pre-All-Star break, because basically two-thirds of the NBA season will be done by the time they finish playing uh, at Portland tonight. That is the last game before the break, the All-Star stuff this weekend. Then they don't play again till next Friday against Milwaukee. That game will be significant for a couple of reasons. One, it's just a really good game. It's back at Target Center. Two, um, that will be an ESPN all-access day for the Timberwolves. I believe this will be announced later today. But I have confirmed that they are part of ESPN's all-access programming this year, which is a pretty cool thing for the Wolves. Basically means that there's going to be content all day long on ESPN that's Wolves-focused. Stephen A. Smith is going to be in Minneapolis doing a bunch of on-site stuff uh, from SportsCenter, Get Up, First Take, Pardon the Interruption, bunch of a bunch of ESPN's shows throughout the day next Friday will be Wolves-focused, and Stephen A. Smith will be leading that charge is going to be a bunch of interviews uh, with uh, Anthony Edwards, Carl Anthony Towns. Sounds like it's going to be a film study uh, with Richard Jefferson and Rudy Gobert. A whole bunch of Wolf stuff all throughout the day. And then they play the Bucks. That's a late game because it's an ESPN game, even though it's a home game for the for the Wolves. It's a 9 p.m. start against the Bucks next Friday because that's the second game of a doubleheader. But should be a pretty fun day. It's kind of, you know, they do this once a year. They only do, ESPN only does this once a year with one team. And I had a chance to speak with uh, David, David Roberts, uh, ESPN's uh, head of events and studio production. And he said, you know, why, I said, well, why, why the Wolves this year? He said, when you're, when you're watching the Minnesota Timberwolves, you're watching a team on the rise. In some ways, they've been under the radar based on who people normally expect to see. Fans need to get to know this team. So, 
this might raise the Wolves' profile nationally a little bit more. I think people who are you know, into the NBA see the year the Wolves are having, see them leading the West. They're going to see Chris Finch coaching the All-Star game. They're going to see Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns there this weekend. Um, but I think maybe their profile is a little bit down just because they, you know, they, they haven't won a playoff series in 20 years. They haven't done it in the postseason. So I think this might be a chance to showcase them a little bit more. So if you are looking forward to that, that will be next Friday. And first, of course, the Wolves finish up the first half, first two-thirds of their season before the All-Star break with Portland tonight. Grand Casino would like to take a moment and salute the true football fan. The passion. The hope, the anticipation, that incomparable feeling of winning. Grand Casino would also like to take a moment to remind you that you can find all that anticipation, thrill, and winning at Grand Casino. Grand Casino, let your story begin. Let's talk today to Star Tribune columnist Chip Scoggins. Um, Chip, how are you? I'm doing very good, Mikey. Good. I understand um, Thursday's paper, startribune.com, you have a Vikings column, which is good because I want to talk Vikings with you. Um, I was going to talk to you anyway about the Vikings, but since you're writing about it, maybe we can kind of dive into that first. What What's on your mind? What are you writing about? How do you feel like anything we've seen so far this offseason or you know, seen leading up in the playoffs? So how, how is this making you think about the Vikings right now? Well, we've we've officially entered the off season or the silly season, yes. uh, which however you want to phrase it. And it, it it's almost like in every market after the Super Bowl, the days after you look at the two teams are like, okay, what's the blueprint there? Like what are, what are they, what secret sauce, what do they have? What should teams that are the other 30 teams be doing? Well, get you a Mahomes. That would be a good <laughs> works. That works. That's a good idea. <laughs> or in case of the uh, 49ers, the last pick of the draft, get a cheap quarterback and surround them with a bunch of, all pro players because I think they had what seven all pro yeah, players. They're, they're loaded. They're loaded. Um, and so uh, for the Vikings, to me, and you know, part of the silly season is rumors and speculation and fun talk, and uh, I think the Jefferson conversation because he hasn't signed yet. Um, should they trade Justin Jefferson to try to move up in a blockbuster deal to get Caleb Williams? The Bears are not giving up that pick. No, they are not passing up on a chance to, to draft Caleb Williams. They're just no. not. No. Um, to me, it's pretty straightforward. Uh, it, the quarterback thing, let's, let's set that aside. But if you look at this team, you got to fix the defense. There is a deficit of talent on that side of the ball. Quasey has to draft a lot better than he has, and they've got to hit on their draft picks, and they got to fix the defense. Well, and they're going into an offseason. We'd be focused so much on the quarterback, but like Daniel Hunter's a free agent, and I don't get the idea that they necessarily either have the money or that he necessarily wants to be here long term. And he's going to go where the money is, but there, there's a lot, yeah. a lot of other teams that are going to want him. And it's just hasn't been the greatest vibe all the time with him. I think he's it's gotten better, but I don't think it's been the greatest vibe for him. So I don't know if he wants to be here. Marcus Davenport was a bust. The injury is just, you know, whatever that was. You could see this coming and what you thought was coming happened. DJ Wanham is a free agent. Like they've got. Nobody to rush the passer. They're just bereft of talent on defense. Yeah, and and I got to imagine some team is going to really pay big money for Daniil. Yeah. If you, you know, a, a team that feels like they need a premier pass rusher. <clears throat> so I don't know that the, the Vikings are going to have the money uh, to do that, to keep him. 
But you're right. I would I would submit all across the defensive line. You could need replacements there. They they interior defensive line for sure need help and upgrade there. They don't have a pass rusher under contract, uh, a premier edge rusher. Your cornerbacks that Quasey drafted in 2022, he thought he was fixing a, a problem area. Now, because they haven't, nobody from the guys that he's drafted has risen to the uh, level that you think, okay, this guy's a starter for the next five years. You don't have that. So it, he's going to have to readdress a thing, a, a position he thought he has, had solved. And so it, it's, you know, they have to spend a ton of draft capital on the defensive side. Offensive side, we can still say offensive line, interior, the two guard spots. If you want to try to upgrade center, um, that could be an area, but I, I think I would spend so much draft capital on the defense and try to fix that and figure out how much money you have left over after you make your, your decision on Cousins and you re-sign Jefferson and see where you're at financially and what that would allow them to spend uh, for free agency on an area need. You mentioned to me before we started recording, you're looking at how well Kansas City did in the 2022 draft, which is a big reason they've been able to kind of extend this dynasty, you know, and build a really good defense instead of just being the Patrick Mahomes show. I want you to tell me those names yeah. in a minute, but I want to tell you a couple names first. The 2022 <laughs> Vikings draft. They had four <laughs> pi- they had four picks in the top 66 that year. So it wasn't yes. like they didn't yeah. have wasn't like they didn't have draft capital. Number 32, Lewis Seen. Number 42, Andrew Booth Jr. Number 59, Ed Ingram. Number 66, Brian Osamoah. Not yeah. getting a lot, especially with those three defensive picks. Um, now you got a Caleb Evans at 118, fourth round pick. He's he's played, he's okay, but he's kind of had a hard time staying on twice. The, he was yes. twice in the last two weeks. Nobody from this draft, even Ty Chandler, nobody <laughs> would you say, hey, we got someone we can count on for years to come. No, and that's, you know, part of that, uh, the the discussion with the Chiefs and, and Jefferson is, is people say, well, look, they didn't want to pay Tyreek Hill $30 million, so they got rid of him. They trade him. Yes, that's easier to do when you have Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback. Yes. <laughs> like, when you have Patrick Mahomes as your yes. quarterback, you can stomach having to do that. Uh, the Vikings aren't it. This is a totally different situation than the Vikings are in. But they did use what the compensation they got from that draft. Listen to this draft, the 2022 draft for the Chiefs. Yeah. And you just mentioned the Vikings. Trent McDuffie, who was a first-team all-pro all pro, yeah. this year. George Karloftis. I think he led them in sacks. Sky Moore had a disappointing year at wide receiver, but he made an impact last year. Brian Cook was a starting safety before he got hurt. Leo Chanel, an important linebacker. I think he caused a fumble in the um, in the Super Bowl. Isaiah Pacheco, yeah, a big part Pretty of good. their offense. Uh, Jalen Watson, he's he's the guy that returned or that recovered the fumble on the punt that hit the guy's leg. They have, I think it's one, two, three, four, five. Six, seven guys out of that that have started uh, at least one game for them in the last two years, and they have two Super Bowl rings this class. So that is a team that drafted well, and when you draft well, you can replenish. And that's I can't overstate how important this draft is for Quasia Dofominsta. When yeah. you whiff, when you whiff to the degree that that twenty twenty two class has to this date, they can't afford another one like that. No, they can't, which I'll get to that in a minute. But before I get to a couple of hot seat questions for you, um, what do you think does happen at quarterback? I'm kind of torn. I feel like this can go 
a number of different ways. Like to me, the most likely scenario, though not my preferred scenario, is probably that Cousins is back for two years and that they address a quarterback in the draft, but probably certainly not with the number 11 pick or a trade-up at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to know within a month, like he's, they're going to have to do something with Cousins before the new league year, otherwise all that dead money hits the cap. Like They're not going to take it beyond yeah. March 13th. So we will know, but we won't know, you know, certainly won't know before the draft. Like, What do you think is going to happen here? Yeah, if if Cousins will, in, my gut feeling says if Cousins takes a two-year deal, they resign him. If he insists on three, I think they go a different direction. I don't think they want to get into a three-year deal with him. If he does, you know, two years, all guaranteed, you know, 45, 40, 45 a year, I think they do it. I agree. Try to move back into late first rounders, you know, second round, draft a quarterback, and then everything else defense. I just think because this is year three of the Quasi O'Connell regime, this is a, a year where they need to show, I mean, yes, won a division, made playoffs year for, this was a big step back this year. Um, They need to show where this thing's going, and they need to win. If they have another disappointing this year, uh, I think this was the time when Zimmer and Spielman got extended, right? Well, uh, yeah, well, 2016 would have been there, would have been Zimmer's third 13, year. Yeah, after the after the third year, is that right? Yeah, um, maybe. I don't know if he would have got extended after 16 because that was not a great year. They were 8-8 eight and eight that year. But I, I mean, he might have got one after the 11-5 and five 2015 correct, year. Yeah, I'm not, I, I can't remember was, exactly yeah. when they got it. Yeah. But, but this is, this is a, you know, this is an important year for their, for their regime. And so um, I just think with how they feel about Cousins, we know O'Connell's relationship. Uh, you have the talent on offense at skill positions with JJ and Addison and Hawkinson, and you want to try to maximize that, you know, that group as long as you can, not to say you can't do it with a rookie quarterback or a younger quarterback or a bridge quarterback, but so that's my gut is they'll try to get cousins to a a two year deal and uh, draft a quarterback, you know, second round, or maybe move back up in first round. I kind of hope they do everything like that, except they don't do cousins. I just, I just, I feel like you got to kind of punt it uh, at some point and just take a year where you're not kicking money down the road. You're not playing for the playing for the, the one in a hundred, the one in a hundred <laughs> chance that you might go on a run. Like it's just, you've had cousins during, we've had much better teams with cousins that haven't gone much of anywhere. I know he was playing well. I just feel like, Hawkinson might, I don't know if Hawkinson's going to play this, you know, play an entire season this year. Yep. Defense still needs to get fixed. Like this feels like the year to kind of just go all in on a new, on a new rookie quarterback and kind of see where it goes. But I I, I don't think that's what's going to happen. It seems to me like re-signing Cousins is more likely, like you say. Now, you said it's an important year for Kevin O'Connell and Quasi Adolfo Mensa. Who is it more important for out of those two? Uh, Quasi. Yeah. Quasi. Uh, cause I, uh, I, I think Kevin is, uh, you know, this was a disappointing year and there's things that, you know, probably drive us all crazy about his coaching as with every coach. But I think when you look at Quasi's 2022 draft and you look at the free agent signings this year with Davenport, particularly, he needs to have a big off season. I mean, he can't afford to have another draft where you're getting basically next to nothing from because you can't 
There's no way you're going to, he talked about competitive rebuild. It's hard to have a competitive rebuild if you're not rebuilding the talent supply and the talent pool and to miss to the degree that he did on Lewis seen to date. You know, mm-hmm. it's not a period on the end of this inch yet, but to date he's not, he has really offered you nothing uh, as a first round pick and all the maneuvers they did to, you know, to move back. And so to me, this is uh, more important off season for, for Quasi than it is O'Connell. Does make me wonder if at a certain point they wouldn't be a package deal anymore, but uh, I don't, we're not there yet. We're yeah, not there yet. We're not there yet. I don't know that it's ever going to be in the same way that we looked at Rick and Zim. Yeah. Uh, it, it seemed like those two became so interlocked, which we found out afterwards that towards the end of it, they weren't interlocked at all. You're right. There, <laughs> were ten- there was tension there. Yeah. There was tension there. But but from the perception, the outside perception was if one goes, they both go. I don't know that this will be that same situation in the Wills minds. Yeah. Um, and the other thing, you know, Quasey was not your traditional GM hire. He no, came from a non-traditional right. background. And so, uh, you know, th- th- it's, there's just a lot of spotlight on his moves now and what he does to try to rebuild this roster because he wanted to get younger. He wanted to turn over the roster, which he did the first year. I mean, to his credit, I don't know if they were hard decisions in terms of letting Dalvin go, letting Thielen go, letting – Eric Kendricks go. I think most right. everybody said, okay, that's that's the step you have to take. But that's only part of the equation. Draft and who you sign in free agency, that's you know, that's a, a massive part of that job. And uh it's been, you know, it's it's been an issue so far for him. I think what's interesting is that the cousins signing in twenty eighteen is probably where the Rick Zimmer fracture started and I wonder if it'll I wonder if these guys are going to be aligned on Cousins six years later I wonder if if O'Connell and Quasey have the same opinion of what they should do right now I'm not entirely sure they do and that will be an interesting thing as to who how they come to that decision jointly and what they do going forward now different spin on the same type of question which I prepped you for before we started recording I think it's an important year still for Kevin O'Connell in fact I saw him like show up in these like odds of like Who's the most likely coach to get who's first coach to get fired in 2024? And he was like sixth or seventh on the list. He's like way down, but he's he's on the list, at least according to these odds makers. I don't know who it is. It's like it's all this kind of like garbage offseason content, like you're talking yeah. about, right? It's silly, <laughs> it's silly season, it's speculation time. But yeah. an important year for KOC, especially if this yeah. is year three out of four in this contract, which we believe it is. Who is it more important for between Kevin O'Connell and PJ Fleck, if we may turn our attention to the college game as well? So if you're saying who would be on the hotter seat? Yes, whose seat is potentially hotter with a bad or a mediocre 2024? I would say probably O'Connell. Um, just because I think PJ has more equity built up with his AD. Um, for You know, look at the Gophers. That was a bad year. I mean, it's a yeah. disappointing year. The way they finished, the, the, just to fall down in November to that degree and to not get over the hump in the Big Ten West, which was terrible the last couple of years, and not yes. you know to put yourself in position to win it what multiple times and come up short, uh, that's a disappointment. But I, I know that he has you know full faith and confidence from his administration. I think when they look at they look at it more broadly than just wins and losses. They look at a lot of the other things. Yes that program's charged with winning and making money and trying to uh, win at a high level. 
but I think they're more apt to look at, okay, is, you know, they run a clean program to do things right. You know, players are graduating that those things um, as frustrating as we get with PJ's offense, with his approach, his philosophy, his conservative nature. Uh, I still think he has a lot of support of, of the administration. And I, I think O'Connell does too with the wills, but the NFL is just, you know, uh, as we've seen, uh, it doesn't take too many bad years before they no. uh, make a change. But, but you know, he, he we weren't. It's, it's so funny how things can change, right? Year one, we're talking 13 about thirteen and four. Yeah, does he deserve Coach of the Year uh, right. votes? And year two, we're talking about after year two, we're talking about hot seat. But I just think we don't know fully what his contract situation is, but they no. tend to give four year deals. Yeah. Uh, this uh, ownership. And so if that's the case with them, he's entering year three, coming off a bad year. Uh, and the divisions became, looks a lot different now than what it did mm-hmm. uh, a year ago this time. Now all of a sudden you're looking at all the teams in the division making strides to improve themselves. So this is a big year for for O'Connell on the field. Uh, Kwesi, I think, again, more so, but they do. This team cannot afford to fall, tumble down this division. Right now, I think if you looked at the other teams, Lions, obviously, what they're doing. Packers are had the youngest team in the league and found their quarterback and have a lot of high draft picks. The Bears have one and nine overall draft picks. They're going to get Caleb Williams. The Vikings are looking up in the division now. Yeah. I mean, they just are. And so this is an important year for them to – start to gain traction again and moving forward and, and being relevant in the in the division. Yeah, I think they can't afford, they certainly can't afford to essentially run it back with the same results, right? Like if they're going to run it back, if they're going to bring Cousins back, then it's with the expectation that they're at least contending for the playoffs, right? With this offense, with what they can add. I, I think that's, I, you would, it would have to be. It would if have to be. If you're spending that kind of money on your quarterback and Jefferson, it's not to be fourth in the division. No, it's not. <laughs> yes. it's, 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 it's to compete. You're doing that to say, and hey, we think we're a playoff team. Um, yes. Now, if you tell me that they have a healthy Cousins, and you know you can't predict injuries, but if you say healthy Cousins and healthy Jefferson, and you're able to do some stuff with the defense, are they a playoff team? I would say, yeah, that should be the expectation. But Brian Flores did a wonderful job, a masterful job of creating a scheme, devising a scheme that nobody had seen before, it was new and innovative, and it took time. You could tell teams were confused by it. But as the season went on, I would say the last month to six weeks, these coaches are smart. They're going to figure out a way to decipher it, and we saw that. And I think teams started to identify holes in that defense, and that's where their lack of talent showed up. And so you can't expect uh, that you're going to have a top-10 defense with the personnel that they have if teams are able to figure out what they're doing. I just think they have to really dramatically improve the the talent on that side of the ball. 100%. And that's, you know, that too is one of the reasons I agree with you on the question of whether O'Connell or Fleck is potentially more on the hot seat. One, I think like it's hard to reset in college football these days. It's hard to start over. Like you got the portal, like you're going to, mm-hmm. you're talking about like a two or three year sometimes like, you're going to have to have a hard reboot. And I think they do like a lot of what PJ's brought in. And you're right. You can do it quicker in the NFL and you can look at it and say, Hey, like we don't like the job O'Connell's doing. 
his defensive coordinator's been a head coach before. He's done a pretty yeah. good job as head coach. Like they could, you know, the, the next guy up in the chair isn't that far away. That's the thing. If you fire an NFL coordinator, you don't have the transfer portal where 35 or 40 players can leave. And now all nope. of a sudden you're like, oh, what do you know? It that's right. that's the thing with with college sports nowadays. It happens. As soon as there's a coaching change, you just know there's gonna be a mass exodus of players yeah. that uh go elsewhere. And so it's a lot uh it's a lot harder to stomach if you're an AD knowing what happens when you make a coaching change with the player turnover. That's just a hard thing to go through. And so if you feel like you're disappointed in the results, that's one thing, but are you so disappointed that you feel like you want to go through that and change a coach with look at this Big Ten. Yeah. This is not an excuse, but it didn't get easier when they added USC and Washington. <laughs> no, no, it, it did not get easier. So no. uh, that's why I say uh, I would I would put that question more on O'Connell. Now we I should say we almost did, but there was at least the the specter of them having to do a coaching search anyway, like the the whole Fleck UCLA yeah. stuff over the weekend. Like I don't know how far past rumors report stage it got you know i had randy johnson on the show today and he was like yeah i think you i think ucla was interested in fleck i don't know what you think or know about that but how where did you kind of how do you kind of frame that up and it would have been a disaster for the gophers i think to have to replace a coach in mid-february a head coach who who had (laughs) built that to the degree that he has but you know how did you kind of value that kind of 24 to 48 hours where there was at least some uncertainty yeah, it made sense from UCLA's pr- perspective, and um, I, I've told people this. I kind of have a, uh, not kind of, I have a relationship with the the UCLA athletic director Martin Jarman. Many many years ago, like almost thirty years ago, I covered uh, Martin as a high school athlete in Fayetteville, North Carolina. That's great, and yeah. wrote a lot of stories about him. Got to know him really well, and his and his family, and still keep in touch with him. And um, so it made sense that they would be interested in Fleck because they need a coach to bring some life to that program. Their NIL is sounds like it's, uh, I don't know if non-existent, but yeah. not very robust. <laughs> Their NIL is NIL. Yes, <laughs> that's right. And uh, the, the, you know, their athletic department runs that deficit. I think Chip Kelly made less than, than Fleck. So, like about would the they, same, yeah. yeah. Would they really be able to afford Flex buyout and to give him a raise right. and to do all the – Right. When you when you make a coaching change, it costs a lot of money. Yeah, it does. And so money that they don't have, it made sense from them to, to actually, you know, I don't know if they had, if Martin had conversations with PJ or what. Other than it's L.A. and it's warm and you're surrounded by a bunch of high school talent, it wouldn't make much sense for PJ to go there. We know he likes challenges and going place where there's you, know, you have to elevate it and and you know, breathe life into the program, but that one just doesn't make sense. So uh, I'm sure they probably had a conversation or he reached out, but I don't know how far it went, but it, it certainly would make sense to me that, that UCLA would look at PJ to, uh, to gauge his interest. Probably not a ringing endorsement for the job when the previous coach flees for an offensive coordinator job. <laughs> yeah. And I think, I think that was, Partly because of the NIL and the situation where yeah. they're at, but I think more so there was all kinds of just scuttle and rumors that Chip Kelly was going to get fired last year. Then they beat USC at the end of the year. I think they beat him by 20 points in the second to last game. Well, you're not going to fire your coach after he beats USC. And, and so it was one of those things that uh, 
he probably saw the writing on the wall that if he has a bad year this year, he's going to get fired. So just get out before that happens. And so it is a unusual move, but I think if, uh, if you really look at the details and kind of understand the, the full picture, it sort of makes sense too. Royal credit union, smart checking accounts offer no monthly fees and no minimum balance. Enjoy financial freedom. When you open your Royal credit union, smart checking account online at rcu.org slash go checking insured by NCUA. Really quick, different subject. Timberwolves probably going to go into the all-star break with the best record in the West. I think they're at least one game clear of everybody else with a game to play. So they'll at least be tied for it. No matter what happens in Portland. Um, I see. I said Kendrick Perkins tweeted the other day. He's buying them as a serious championship contender. Are you there yet? Is this a serious championship contender? Not saying they're going to win it all. Is this a championship contender? It sounds so weird to be talking about this, right? Like that we're even asking this. Um, I love the way they play defense and I love the way Rudy Gobert, what he's brought to them. And when you have him and McDaniels and they're locked in defensively, that's a game changer. Again, it comes down to maturity and yeah. and playing the right way. When we've seen the fourth quarter collapses where it becomes hero ball and over dribbling and, and lack of focus, that, you know, that that's a concern. But then when you see the way they play against the Clippers in that second half and the way they played here the last, you know, week where they have been locked in and the way Ant is playing and the way he's distributing, <clears throat> excuse me, and the way Towns is playing, they're as talented and uh, as, you know, anybody. And the way they play defense is especially uh, gives you gives you confidence that if, if they can play that way and play maturely uh, and, and avoid those lapses that they have where they just kind of look like five guys and five cabs in the fourth quarter and it's just, yeah. you know, uh, this team can make a run, but it, it's it's been a fun first half and, I really hope that they can can show their mature selves when they get in the playoffs and not excuse me revert to bad habits. Yeah, that's be, that's going to be the big question, right? That's what we don't that's what we don't know yet. That's that's the still where I like where I hesitate because you look at even like you look at all these teams in the West still that are loaded up and they might be kind of like lurking there right now, like Phoenix, yeah. um, guys, teams like. Dallas, even with some of the stars they have, even like the Lakers and Golden yeah. State that might be relegated to the play in. Like, if the Wolves played one of those teams in the first round, I would still be nervous if you were the Wolves yeah. just because you don't know what you're going to get quite yet against teams that have been through it 50, 60 times. Well, we haven't seen it. I mean, we know teams can pace themselves or however you want to say it through the regular yes. season. Load and management. Load management. And then. When they get in the playoffs, they know it's a different animal and they know how to play and they have the championship pedigree. And so the Wolves, we haven't seen that. We've seen their worst sides of them in the playoffs where they kind of self-destruct or they don't play defense or they complain to the officials and they get sidetracked by things. So Try to punch each other. That, or, or they punch each other. So that's where I hope this team is different. Yeah. Um, you hope that they've learned from that. You hope that they realize what makes them really good and that's when they share the ball and when they play great defense. And I think the way Gobert is playing this year is the difference maker Yeah, to me. I mean, he is so uh, influential on the defensive end. And you just see it the way he impacts the game on the defensive side. And then when you add Jaden McDaniels with that too. So, but it, it still remains to be seen. It's, 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 
as great as this is, they have to prove that they can play this way in the in the postseason when when teams are really dialing it up and going to another level and finding their playoff gear. It is. It does seem weird to say, but we're not going to know if they're real championship contenders until they either are or aren't, yeah. right? Like Correct. that's just kind yeah. of it. Yeah. I don't think it's a talent deficiency thing. No. I don't think it's that. No, but sometimes um, you got to go through it a few times before you really get it. That's it. And they that's haven't it. gotten yeah. they haven't gone through it enough yet. I know they've had a couple of first round playoff series. That's not going through it yet. There, this, there's going to be expectations this year that are different than anything that they've experienced so far. Yep, um, I agree. Chip, appreciate it as always. I'm sure we'll talk again soon. All right, brother. Good stuff as usual from Chip Scoggins. Hope you enjoyed that conversation. Good one coming up tomorrow, too. Rachel Blount from the Star Tribune will join me to talk World Cup skiing. That event this weekend is feeling a little bit more like winter, I guess, uh, now now that the snow is here just in time for this event. I think there was, you know, it was going to go on regardless. They were making snow, but at least the, the scene will look a little bit more wintry now that we actually have some snow on the ground here. Let's finish with the cooler. Mike Zimmer introduced as Dallas Cowboys defensive coordinator. He will be working alongside Mike McCarthy, his former NFC North rival. They were both, of course, longtime head coaches in the division. Zimmer with the Vikings, McCarthy with the Packers. Zimmer looks happy. He sounds happy. I listened to some of his introductory news conference the other day with Dallas. Here's a clip of that and talking about working with Mike McCarthy in Dallas. Did I ever think I'd be back? I don't know. I always kind of hoped I would be. Um, you know, when when uh, when my time was off, I'd had some phone calls of going places, and um, I wanted to be somewhere where I knew people and I trusted people. Um, and so when this opportunity came up, I was excited because uh, the relationship I had with Mike and even the conversations that we've had since I've been here, you know, telling stories about when we played up in Green Bay or they played in Minnesota. And then, uh, you know, with Jerry and Steven and uh, those things. But I've had such great respect. You know, I, I actually told him the same thing when I was in NFC. North, he was the one I respected the most. You know, they were the best team. They were the most well coached. Um, you know, their teams played the right way, and so we tried to emulate a lot of those things, and so that we could we could uh, hopefully compete against them. Zimmer's seat, of course, got plenty hot towards the end of his Vikings tenure, tying this all together with my segment with Chip Scoggins. Eventually cost him his job, but it was a pretty good eight-year run in retrospect, and we'll see where Kevin O'Connell can get from here. That will do it for me today. Hope you enjoyed today's show. Like I said, Rachel Blount on tomorrow's show, plus plenty of other good stuff as well. I'll talk to you again tomorrow.